Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. The Nishmas, just literally Nifter, Atanabas, Gabriel Yaakov, and Muzli. Very, very special Nishama. Shama that lived Yiddishkeit. That just loved anything that had to do with Jewish tradition, and most ironically, as we say, most interestingly, the most exciting part of the year was Yom Kippur. For her. She loved the slichas and the tefillas Yom Kippur, and the most was even the Eila. For years and years, she would come, even though it was not a really Sephardic custom. They did back in the Sephardic uh, countries. But she, her father knew about this and knew how to do this, and therefore she would come and do kaparas by us, We'd get her a chicken. She was very, very... Very, very spiritual and very spiritual mode, a very spiritual person. And uh, she had, over the last few years, suffered very badly. sons, daughter-in-law, granddaughter, Shem should watch over them, she'll have a long life, happiness, and joy. Also, already, oh, no, Nishmas, Gabriel Imelech, Olav Shalom. Okay, seriously, before I start the share, I'm going to have to freeze the video and start it over. Um, okay, let's hope now the video will be clear. Pashas. Chukas, the week, Shabbos between Gimel Thomas and Yud Beis Thomas. Not always comes out that way, because Gimel Thomas is on a Sunday. So obviously the next Sunday is Yud, and Tuesday be Yud Beis Thomas. Gimel was the Schalto de Geula, the beginning of the Geula where they found out that the death sentence had been commuted. And in your base Thomas, Rebbe Ayatz was told he is free. What a great birthday present it was for him. Everybody always asked, how did those Russians know that it was his Hebrew birthday? Never know. They didn't have a Hebrew calendar to check, but they knew. spoke briefly about Gimel Thomas last week. <coughs> Yud Beis Thomas is a Chag Ula, which is a Yom Tif, as the Rebbe wrote, not just for himself, but the entire Kal Yisrael, call anyone that shame Yisrael Yechuna, that calls themselves, refers themselves, connects themselves with the Jewish nation, it is a Yehuda for all of them all together.
And therefore, it's a chag, it's a very big yomtif, it's a very special yomtif to all of us, as chassidim especially, it's a big yomtif to all of us, Chal Yisrael, as we said, this is what I call Baruch, this is what the Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, has proven and shown and thereby ultimately come to America, cross the ocean, and his famous saying is, America is nisht adrish. Upon arrival in America, greeted by many dignitaries, and they all wanted to tell him that no, this is not the way to be acting, or the way of the spodik, he put on his big day Shabbos to come off the boat. He told him, this is not what we wear in this country, this is different here. And his answer was, America is nisht andrish. America is no different. A yid is a yid wherever he is, and therefore we need to act and behave as apropos. The question on Paraduma, which everybody asks and always will ask, and we'll hopefully be able to discuss a little bit today, the Paraduma itself was sacrificed in order to purify the person that was Tommy Lamace. Somebody had gotten, had become impure because they came in contact with a dead body, a corpse. Excuse me. They needed to have, be sprinkled with the ashes and the blood and the mixture of the paraduma, the red heifer. Needless to say, it wasn't done every day. was done when there was a congregation of people that needed to be sprayed, they needed to be made tired. In the generation of Meshina Benu was the first one, the first of the ten heifer, of the red heifers. It says there will be ten in total. But as they brought, as they sprinkled prepared and sprinkled the the people that were impure that needed to be purified the koyen that was involved in all the, the preparation and doing he himself became tummy he became impure That same ash, that same mixture that purified those that were tummy made impure the kayan that sprayed it. And that is the perpetual question. Is one of the reasons that chukas hatera paraduma falls under the category of the three type of categories of mitzvahs, chukim mishpatim, edus chukim mishpatim, Chukim amitzvahs that we don't have any idea why or what and what is the reason for it. And hopefully we'll discuss that as well. But one of the questions about the Paraduma, how does it make one person pure and one impure at the very same time? As I said before, this is the first of the Paradumas. People didn't want to be impure. The person ended up impure because they, what, what they would say, the wrong place, the wrong time. Or they had to go to a funeral. Or they walked into a room where their dead body was there. Or they actually, actually didn't realize and they walked over a grave. And they became Tommy Lewis. Highly unlikely they met a mess on the street and shook hands with them. But hey, you never know. We find ourselves though in predicaments, in places, in times we don't understand how and why. 
stories told of a Yid, so you heard from the Melech again, of a Yid that a Yid that was <coughs> Give, he, he was one of his mitzvahs, his pet mitzvahs, tafkid, was to give out food for Shabbos and Yom Tif to poor families. And he needed, obviously, in Yerushalayim. <laughs> that was my grandchildren from Switzerland calling on video. I couldn't exactly tell her. I explained to her that she's two years old, so figured it out. He went, so he needed he giving out like a 200 something families a Shabbos. It's a budget. And someone told him, recommended, he goes to America to collect money for this. So he came to the Golden of Medina, he came to New York, to Brooklyn, New York. And the capital of Brooklyn, New York, Borough Park. <laughs> he had Bakanta there, he had friends there. And a friend of his was, his was going around with him, taking him, whatever it was. And then his friend says to him, Listen, I just heard it before a very, very wealthy man who also has a very big pneer to this mitzvah. It's a big mitzvah to him as well. He loves to give food to people. Let's go visit him. I'm sure he'll give you money as well. Sure, okay, we can go. There's only one catch. What's the catch? To get to him, we have to drive six hours. Please, I'm only here for a few days. I'm going to waste a full day, 12 hours. When I need to raise a budget like this, to go and to schlep, but I'm telling you, the man is shaykh to pay your whole budget for the year. I'm not schlepping six hours, six hours each way. Says you, I'm begging you, please, I'm driving, I'm taking you. Finally, he convinced him. In the car they got, and they traveled for six long hours. And when they arrived to the estate of this rich man, they found tables laden, beautiful tables with food and drink, refreshments. Apparently a lot of people came to him and he knew that to get to him was a big journey. And he was a very benevolent person. So he would set up food and drinks for these people when they come. No, our Baltzadokeh arrives with his friend and he's thirsty and he's hungry so he sits down and makes a bracha has a little repast as he's sitting there uh, the secretary of the Shabbos of this fellow comes out and says to him why you ask him why he's there he tells him he says okay there are two rules yeah. First rule is don't speak unless spoken to. When you come in to see him, do not talk until he talks to you. Okay. The second rule is no one is allowed to know how much he gave you. Okay, again. I mean, now the guy really is anticipating who knows what he's going to get from this guy considering these rules and these regulations and look at the way this table is set up and it's he realizes his friend was not fooling him finally as his turn comes he goes inside follows the rules listens talks while answering and he's given a check a folded check and he thanks the Balabas profusely 
says, he comes outside, he opens the check, starts to dance for joy. Whoa, singing with Simcha Gedele. Ha! The driver was so proud of himself. I told you, told you we go here. She says, um, I can't ask you how much it is because you're not allowed to tell, right? I says, That's right. She says, Could you give me a hint? Says, sure. If you asked me to give you money for the guests of this trip to come here and to go back, this check would not cover it. Kivalt. How is that possible? This guy's legit. The Gvir is legit. And this Baltzdoka, this Gabi Tzdoka is legit. Everybody knows who he is and how he gives out what he, what he, what he gives and, and, and how generous he is. Ha! Ha! Why would he give you so? He says, why were you dancing? He says, because I was dancing because I made a mistake. And I was very depressed over the mistake that I put my hands, I put my faith in the hands of a person, the boss of Adam. He didn't say this word, but there's a famous word, You should not have put your betokin in the divim. The person doesn't have the sure saving, salvation. So when someone once touched, Al-Tiftru Benedivim. we said, Benedivim, the people that give money. Don't have faith in the ones that give money. Benedivim, she ain't like, person who doesn't have money, Tshua, he's going to give you money. No. Needless to say, this guy was in a different world. What a What a shock. What a shock. I'll be in Kabul. Now we got to go back to Brooklyn. Six hours. You have to stop a little bit. Can't keep driving so long. Two o'clock in the morning, they arrive back in Borough Park. I don't know where they have Mincha, but they didn't have Mincha yet. So he went into the famous Shema Shabbat Shul, the 13th Avenue and 53rd. And he, there's a 2 o'clock minion, <laughs> 2 a regular minion for Mayrev. I guess all the caterers and musicians and photographers meet at that minion. Anyway, he comes in. It's not a minion, a halach minion. And a davant. He's a Yiddishimayim and Shengi Davin, Tidavin Night, whatever it was. But he obviously doesn't look like a local. He's a Yiddishalmi, doesn't dress like the locals in Barapak even. And after might have a Yid approaches him and says, Shalom Aleichem, he says, Vanakum Tayyid, he says, from Yiddishalayim. What are you doing here? Because obviously anyone came here for Yiddishalayim, came here for a tzvek, came here for something that he needed for. So the guy got flustered from the question, and he says, no, I'll tell you the truth, I give out food to 200 plus families every year of Shabbos, Temcha Shabbos, and the uh, matzav in itself is very tight, and I needed to, get, to come here to collect money. So how many families? It's 200 plus families. The guy questioned a little here, a little there, to make sure the uh, legitimacy behind what the man was saying. And when he saw the fellow was indeed legit, he said, come, sit down a minute. Well, it's 2.30, a quarter to three in the morning, or the guy wants to just go to sleep. All right, he sits down with the man. man reaches in his pocket, takes out a check, writes him a check for $18,000. It's pretty close to his budget, at least for a month. 18000 USD. <laughs> And the man says to him, he asked the man, sorry, out of curiosity, what does a man like you, if I make a like you, 
why are you davening at 2 a.m.? And he said, I'll tell you the truth. Had Pashat Chasana, ran late, I missed the Maidav, I missed this, I missed that. Kitsa, until the Chasana finished, I had to have Maidav, and this is the only place. So here I am. Needless to say, the man saw pure Ashkachapratis. that brought him at 2 o'clock in the morning back from this other Gvir from this person he would never in his life dream of davening at 2 o'clock in the morning might have but Ashkachapratis brought him here to daven at 2 o'clock in the morning so that he should meet this person how much more can you ask for than to see the hand of God in its full strength. It's fascinating. The Paraduma. person doesn't know how he ended up in this situation, in this predicament. But here he is. Here he is. He's sitting with his Paraduma. He needs to wait for a paraduma to become pure. And we said before, Moshe Rabbeinu brought the first of the paradumas. In Rambam Hechus Paraduma, the end of Perigimel, it says, "Va'asidus Yasa Melech Hamashiach." Tenth one, the Melech HaMashiach will make. Meheire Yigola, may he be revealed speedily. Amen, Kein Yihirotzen. Yes, we spoke about this halach in Rambam already. And yes, we spoke about the relevance of how he finishes off. And yes, we're going to repeat it again because of the pertinence of the time, of the situation that we're in today with the all that's ongoing at Israel, what's happening over even here in New York in America things that are happening to people which makes us reflect and think I've been through I've suffered through I've lived through I've lived through and you know what? A Kaddish Baruch has a plan. I accept upon me whatever Akash Baruch wants. Is it easy? It's not easy. Not easy people that went through any kind of problems, personal issues with other people money, physical, mental it's hard to forgive, it's hard to forget, it's hard to let go but this is what Akash Baruch wants so therefore we're going to repeat again this very Sikhan The Rambam, when he brings down the halachs of Paraduma, he brings the history of the Kiyam Mitzvahs. Teisha Parisadumis Nasu. Nine Parisadumis were made. Mishinitz Tavum Mitzvahzu from when the commandment was of this mitzvah happened. Achachorev Abayas Hashbishniya till the second Bayashani. Instruction. 
And then there were seven from Ezra until the Churm Nabayis. And the tenth one, as we said, will be, says the Rambam, Recorded the series, Yasa Melech HaMashiach, Meir Yigolo, Meir Yigolo, These words, the Rambam, a little bit of a question. The Rambam is a Sefer Halacha. Yad HaChazake only discusses Halachas. He doesn't put in Tvilois, he doesn't put in Makoshes. It's also known that every single word of the Rambam is accounted for. And many different halachas are gleaned from his punctuality of wording. What place in that in that case, what place does he have here in the Sefer of Halachas to add a tefillah May he be revealed speedily, so it should be. Amen. Could say that Rambam wants to teach us that a Jew needs to daven for Biyasim Sheikh. But as we say in America, that doesn't cut it. Because there is a section of halachas in the Rambam known as Biyas HaMashiach. Hilchas HaMashiach, I'm sorry. And Hilchas HaMashiach, it should write it there. You want to put it in this field, put it there. What does it have to do here? With just a mention of Mashiach, only because it's a halacha that the tenth paraduma will be by Mashiach. But the explanation is that Rambam wants to teach us that very halacha, the deep yearning, the deep prayer, the deep emotion that one needs to have to daven for Biyas HaMashiach. And also, when you comes to the subject of Geula, which just happens to be said here, mentioned, it needs to awaken by each and every Jew within them deep emotions A yearning until so much so of a yearning that the person simply feels they need to pray. They need to say a tefillah. And this, with this, every Yid needs to live on a constant basis. To feel the mere mention of someone saying the word Mashiach, they should say immediately, When it comes to the Amuna in Mashiach, in Hiras Malachim, the Raman Paskins, Komishain Bay, Anyone who does not believe in him, anyone who does not anticipate and wait for him, is a heretic, and he's in denial of Teda and of Mesh Rabbeinu. So it's not enough that you have to believe the Mashiach is going to come one day, 
It's a chayv kodesh. It's an obligation, a pure, holy obligation on each and every person to constantly yearn to want Mashiach's arrival. And one that believes in the coming of Mashiach, but doesn't anticipate every day, his belief is lacking. Because the belief of the coming of Mashiach in itself is a perpetual obligation. And also the Chayv itself to await, anticipate the coming of Mashiach is a constant obligation. At all times, a Yid needs to live with the yearning, hope, anticipation that he nay, he nay Mashiach bo. Any minute. And this is why we dive in three times a day. We are hoping for the Gula any second of every day. Aside for just the fact of awaiting and anticipating and yearning, the true factor of the Gula. A Jew knows we can't do anything complete, we cannot succeed, we cannot move on in life without Mashiach. As long as the Geula has not come about, the Mashiach Tzikeno has not taken us out of Golos, we are perpetually lacking. And therefore it's given at every moment the chukah for the Geula. And that's why the halacha, in halachas, the Sefer Shalachas of Rambam, that Rambam teaches us that when a Yid needs to anticipate and wait for Mashiach at all moments, in such a way that if someone mentions Geula, someone mentions Mashiach, Agav, just talking about something else, immediately should wake within him a thirst and a yearning that he's plotting so much so that he just calls out and that says, Meheda Yegole Amen Ken He just mentioned the word Mashiach, the thought Mashiach, the thought of the Yula, and immediately the person should just burst with enthusiasm and call out, Meheda Yegole the Pasha is called Paradum and it's called Chukas. It's not called Chukas Paraduma, it's called Chukas. Out of all the chukim that there are in the Teda, the Paraduma is the one that's chosen to say, Zeis chukas This is the chuk of the Teda. You would well imagine then that the whole Pasha is going to be involved in the talking of the Paraduma. Whereas, this Pasha has two horrific, horrific, sad moments. Three. passing of Miriam, passing of her brother Aaron, and then the worst of them all, the smiting of the stone. Moshe hits the stone rather than talking to it. Therefore, the Yidin talk out against Moshe, And a serpent, the snake, enters to the machna and starts killing people left and right. What a phenomenon. What a happening. 
So this parsha is so much deeper than just the simple story. of the Paraduma. Chazal tell us there are three Shlesha Parnasim Tevim Amdal Yisrael. Three great pillars, supporters were given to the Jews. Stood, stood held us to the hidden standing. The three great gifts were given through the hands. The air, Miriam, the well, and Miriam. Abed Onan, Aaron, the clouds of glory in the merit of Aaron, and Mon, Mesha, and the Mon was given in the merit of Mesha. Mesa, Miriam, Miriam passed away in the Stalka, the bear went away. Not the bear, the be'er, the water. As we learn in this week's parsha, Thomas and Miriam, Miriam passed away, and the pasuk continues and says, "And now there was no longer any water. Still, in all, the water came back in the schus of Mesha and Aaron. Aaron passed away, and the Nanaya covered the clouds of glory disappeared." Don't confuse here. There were clouds of glory and there were clouds surrounding the Jews. The clouds of glory actually showed the Jews their greatness and their, their pride. The other, there were other clouds that surrounded the Jews as themselves and therefore um, protected them and washed their clothing and straightened out the mountains and the valleys and killed off anything that was in the way, anything that could have hurt the Jews. Um, that was separate clouds. So yes, the Ananiya covered went away, and the Goyim came to attack, not because they really thought they were vulnerable to Eden, simply they thought that the glory of the Eden is gone, and therefore they were not worthy of not being, of being anybody special. Um, so when Adam passed away, Clouds left. Now they both came back. The Ananiya Kovid and the Be'er in the Schus of Mesh. If you keep his Gorom's Gimon and Tainus, Sechtus Tainus, Daftes, Amit Aleph. Now each one of these Panasim Tevim, they received a gift. The Eden received the gift in their merit. merit has not just a philosophical connection a physical connection with their things it has a deep spiritual connection with their gift and therefore it came as Matana Teva, the good gift. That's the Yumara says. And finishes off, Vizchus Parnes Ahu Davke, in the merit of that Parnes, that supporter. Mesha was a shepherd. A shepherd of the Jews. And a shepherd that saw to it that he fed and nurtured each and one of his sheep, if his flock. Each according to their needs. And therefore, the mon came in his merit. Because this was Ashpa Pnimius, this entered into each and every person, the person consumed this. And this is a spiritual food, and thereby being as if, the, not as if, being that, the Teda, the Pnimius, permeated each and every person according to their level.
Aaron. Aaron was Ayavis Abriyas Makarvan Latera. Mishnah Pikyavis. First Pedic, Mishnah Yudbez. He loved everybody and brought them closer to Tera. Didn't look at the situation, the Jew, what he was like. He looked at the soul, the godly soul, and the love. Therefore, he did not differentiate the greatest or the smallest. And therefore, the Ananiya covered came in his merit. Because the Ananiya covered covered everyone equally. The Mon didn't come equally to everybody. The Mon, we said once, came to different levels. Some of Hashem say it was further from the tent. Some of Hashem say that the tzaddik was ready to be eaten and the Benini uh, only had to cook it and the uh, Rasha Pashat had to clean it up before he cooked it. That was the month. Each person was different. If you had a different level, you became, you got differently. Whereas the Anani covered, you weren't asked. You're too short, you're too small, you're too high, you're too tall. Everyone was covered equally by the Anani covered. And that was our Ayyiv Shalom, Raydiv Shalom, Ayyiv Sabriyas, Makarva Latina. Miriam was poor, Shifra and poor. He was going home, he wanted to say to Yeralla from a base. She gave over her life to raising the small children in Egypt. Children? What's a child? How many people go out there and look at and respect the child? for their greatness, for their intelligence. Child. And with these children, her name was Miriam Hashem Hamarur. In the bitterest time of the Golas of the exile, the lowest of lows, spiritually speaking, in her merit, water was given. Ein Mayim the coming down of Teda, the coming down of Mayim, to the lowest of low places. So although Moshe Rabbeinu himself had this hashpa and his, had this influence on his flock, the man, still in all, even after he passed, passed away, the Ananiya covered the Be'er and the passing of Miriam and Aaron all came back in the Slus of Mesha. Because he too encompassed all these great things. For a true shepherd is not Isaac, only an Aveda that shaykh to him. But when it comes Push comes to shove, as they say. And the time is of the essence. He takes his own life, puts it to a side, and devotes and dedicates himself to the, to the Rabbim. As did Mesha, who literally was Mesa Nefesh himself for the Jews. Therefore, when Aaron and Miriam pass away, and their merits 
the water and the clouds disappear. It was all put on Mesha. And Mesha had to cover their spiritual and their physical needs. Aaron Akayim passed away. Pasik tells us, Entire house of Israel and all the Yidden together wept over the passing of Aaron for 30 days. Halakhically, it's understandable. Obviously, a person can't mourn anything but his parents for more than 30 days. And therefore, being who Aaron was, the entire nation wept for 30 days. Taylor emphasizes that Aaron's passing was mourned by not one shevet, not one group, the entire nation. The message explains that Aaron was particularly beloved by the people because he was very active in restoring peace between friends, between different parties, quarreling families, quarreling within families. How did Aaron initiate a peace part, a peace peace process between the two parties? He would approach each one separately and said, Have you seen how your friend is berating himself? And he's saying how ashamed he is to see you after what he's done to you. And therefore, he would instill reconciliation in this person's heart. And this would go back and forth. He don't each side without the first side knowing what he said to the other. So when the two met later, they were ready to overlook their disagreements and reestablish their friendships. Only if we had Arnakayan today, all those understanding when someone hurt or did something to them, affected them any which way, form, or fashion, that they're humbled and they are full of remorse. And therefore, it should awaken within the person's heart and mind the feeling of forgiveness. This is therefore what Aaron did and how he made peace. This behavior of Aaron's became his girl home again, Maria Vamis, Samachaya Medbez, 65, side 2. The mother says that for Shalom we can modify the truth. Obviously modify, not completely distort and turn into a lie. Can't tell a lie about it. Because a person is not, not allowed to lie, even for peace. So in that case, the question comes about with Aaron. He told each party the other one was remorseful. And they were seeking reconciliation. No way. They were not. So Aaron's method was lying? The truth is no.
It sounded a little bit like he misinterpreted the truth, misinterpreted the facts. The proof from this we find in the Hilchus Rambam, Hilchus Gerishin, divorce. He says when a husband is allegedly obligated to divorce his wife, the court may use physical force to prevail upon him to agree to give the wife, his wife a get. Man is refusing to give a get and they already can no longer live together, they just not, they just not, and he's holding back the get from the woman to punish her. In the olden days, person had a right to beat the guy to a pulp until he said, okay, I want. Yep. Today, unfortunately, the civil law makes into it and doesn't allow it to happen. In those days, literally, they would do things, say at least physical, physical, get physical with the person. I, you have a problem here. The problem is, brought on that a get needs to be given, it needs to be given willingly. If you're coming and telling the guy and beating him up or threatening him, it's not willingly. The truth is, though, deep down, the person wants to give the get. Deep down, a person wants to observe all tenemitzes. We don't want to falter with tenemitzes. And therefore... Although he's agreeing on the pressure and duress to do a mitzvah, he's just acknowledging his true inner, inner desires. And this is true regarding any mitzvah, so much more so when it comes to a mitzvah of Avis Yisrael. Kal Godel Batera. So when Aaron spoke of the love that a fellow Jew had for him, Deep down it was there. There was no fabrication. The fact that unfortunately it wasn't on the surface as of yet. As of yet. And therefore, although he embellished the truth, but he didn't cast lie. And in the end we see, they shook and made up. So we know that the Yidin spoke about, against Mesha and this serpent came out, the snake came out, started to kill left and right. And then people came forth and screamed to Mesha, we know we sinned against you, we sinned against Hashem and you. And the Mesha hearing this took pity on his flock and started to pray for their forgiveness. From here we learn, says Rashi, when someone's asked to forgive, they should not be cruel and withhold. The Gemara, however, has a little bit of a different source for this mitzvah. It says, Avram's Tfilis to heal Avimelech and his household for the punishment that they got for abducting Sarah. And the Mishnah says, from where do we learn that one who is asked to forgive should not be cruel and should forgive? It says, Avram Mispal Hashem, Avram David Hashem, and Hashem healed Avimelech. So Rashi 
we have a problem. Because we're keeping score at home in the Gemara in Baba Kama. Ches. Sorry. Zayin Amar Aleph. Tells us that no, we learn this halacha from Avraham Avinu. So, what more can we learn from here? So, according to Rashi, Moshe's conduct teaches us something that Avraham's conduct did not. The difference is in the Taylor's emphasis that Moshe davened on behalf of the people. Avram forgave Avimelech to the extent that he was willing to pray for Avimelech that he don't be punished for, not be punished for his actions. Mesha forgave B'nai Yisrael as a whole entire nation. He was able to daven for the tzibur, for the well-being of the entire tzibur, as if they never did anything wrong to him. What does HaKadosh Baruch tell Mesha? It's reflected in the degree of forgiveness. What does he instruct Mesha to place a bronze serpent on a pole? And all gazed upon it will be healed. Rashi explains, Rashi asks, Ha'im Nachash Mechaya? Does the Nachash does the serpent, does this snake um, yeah Unless you looked at it with proper intentions. I mean, it's saying, say, Bechi Nochosh Memis, a Nochosh Machaya? They don't want to misquote. Ella, as much as you misstole, mistaken, clapping Maila. When the Jews looked up, because the serpent was on the end of a stick, they had to look up to see it. They attached their hearts to our fathers in heaven and they were healed. If they did not look up, Rahman al Islam. So therefore, Mesha, who was in, in, together on, on the same level, par, whatever you want to call it. He was concerned with Bnei Yisrael. And the brass serpent, not only removed their punishment, their immediate punishment, but they got fully rehabilitated. Caused them to change not only physical conduct, but spiritual conduct for the long term. Rashi therefore learns from Mesha, we should not be cruel about pardoning, even if our pardoning should be generous, not begrudging. Even our pardoning should be generous, not begrudging. We should not only hold back, not hold back, but we should do it full-heartedly and not say, all right, I forgive you, leave me alone. But I really forgive you. They should harbor no resentment whatsoever towards those that ask for our forgiveness. And even actively seek their well-being to help them out. And so therefore, I'll take this moment under the, the opportunity of being out in the open and ask again forgiveness to anyone that I've ever Upset, hurt, insulted, 
and hoping that you follow the dictum of this pasuk, the dictum of Meshe Rabbeinu, Rashi explains it, and you too will forgive full-heartedly, and in Yetz Hashem, with this chus of everyone forgiving full-heartedly one another, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be mezakas with the Bias Gael Tzedek Mehera V'yameinu Omein Selo Omein, Omein, Omein and we find ourselves this Shabbos in Yerushalayim, Yerak Kodesh Shabbat Shalom to all